Hi, I'm Ben Robinson from RTRS. We're the embedded software specialist within the Evolution Group. Earlier this week, I joined Nigel Tracy, VP of RTA Solutions and General Manager of the Embedded Competency Centre for ETAS based in York. ETAS, part of the Robert Bosch Group, provide a platform to build safe and secure foundations for billions of ECUs used in the automotive industry around the world. Nigel and I spoke on a number of topics, including the growth plans, how they're building a platform for autonomous vehicles, and about a little bit more about his journey within the organisation. Hope you enjoy. Initially, Nigel talked about ETAS and their history. ETAS was founded back in 1994 uh, as a spin-out from Bosch. Actually, what brought ETAS to uh, York was the acquisition of a company in 2003. That company was a spin-out, actually, from the university here in York. Um, ETAS acquired the company in 2003 to bring the technology that we've developed in that uh, spin-out company uh, into the ETAS group and then to form this business unit for taking production software um, to enable the automotive industry um, to uh, support and deliver on all of its uh, innovations that we see over the last, uh, well, now 20 years, I guess. <laughs> and I, in the presentation, you mentioned you've been with the business a long time yourself. Yeah, so actually um, when I was doing my PhD uh, here at the University of York, uh, I actually started working um, uh, as a consultant for the uh, small spin-out company that was a spin-out from the University uh, Real-Time System Group. And uh, then when I finished my PhD, uh, I was uh, deciding what to do next and uh, uh, decided to join the company full-time. Um, at the time, my background was safety-critical software development, so I was working in the area of aircraft engine control development, nuclear protection uh, control system software development, and I thought the automotive industry would be maybe uh, an industry a bit faster and uh, more up-to-date with technology. It turned out when I started back in, uh, that was then 2000, I was wrong. The automotive industry <laughs> was quite, quite slow and behind at the time with technology, but now 20 years later, finally it's running so fast and adopting new technology so quickly to... Uh, to push forwards into the future but yeah that means I've been with the company since uh, since ETAS acquired the business back in 2003. And dragged it kicking and screaming into the, <laughs> into the I don't think I, I can't take the credit for the automotive industry now running really fast but you know the topics of connected cars, autonomous driving, um, uh, electric engines uh, shared, uh, th this is all driving software so fast now in automotive. It's definitely an interesting time isn't it within the industry you know we the real-time brand, you know, we did quite a lot in, in, in automotive from, um, you know, drivetrain, powertrain, we're doing more electrification, battery management systems, you know, you guys talked about, it's quite a big area for us at the moment. Um, yeah, and, and, and actually there's much more of an overlap now, you know, with our technology business than there ever was. You know, cyber stuff you guys were talking about, you know, we have a cyber division and actually with some of our clients, the automotive stuff, the cyber stuff overlaps quite a lot. Yeah. Um, what are some of the most exciting problems that you guys are solving at the moment using technology? Um, well, I think, you know, thinking back to uh, what I just told you that I joined the automotive industry because I wanted uh, to see modern technology. I mean, if, if you look back 20 years uh, or so ago, software just started to get introduced into, uh, into the car. Um, to control uh, the systems and that's just exploded so now um, cars are by far the most complex software system mankind builds so typical uh, high-end car will have well over a hundred million lines of code in it you know it's a lot more uh, software in um, uh, in a car than you see in almost any other software system 
what's unique about it is of course it's uh, mostly invisible and it absolutely has to work because if it's the braking system or uh, the airbag um, it, it has to work it's safety critical if it doesn't work people's lives depend on it um, so that's that's exciting uh, because it means it's it's real work on real tangible um, uh, software. It has of course global impact because everything we do here goes in cars everywhere uh, around the world. But what's exciting looking now to the future is that pace of change is even accelerating um, uh, faster. So up until today pretty much when you buy a car on the day you take delivery of the car, that's as good as the car's ever going to be. From that point, it just gets progressively older um, and uh, more and more out of date. What we see now is that um, uh, there's a huge change, um, that software um, is now defining the future of the car. That means the day you take delivery of the car will be as bad as the car will ever be, because it's software, just like your smartphone, will be updated over the lifetime that you own it. So on the day you get it, that's when it has least features and it will be updated with new capabilities and new um, uh, functionality um, um, quarter by quarter, month by month, just like you have become familiar with with your computer or your mm -hmm. smartphone. Um, so enabling all of that is our big challenge um, to make the software-defined vehicle. Um, reality is, is the big challenge and, and the North Star that guides ETAS and uh, drives us here with the team in York to deliver our part of that. So. While we don't deliver that functionality, the end driver of the car sees. What we do is provide all the infrastructure to allow our customers to do their innovation and deliver that stuff. And as you talked about in the presentation, you know, there's some, some pretty um, strong growth plans for the teams. It'd be good, I guess, to talk us through a little bit about what, you know, what those growth plans look like. Yeah, so uh, our, our core business um, for the last several years has been around enabling those safety critical control ECUs and the platform software for that. There's an industry standard um, um, approach for doing that. Mm -hmm. It's called the AutoSAR standard, which defines um, how things communicate, how uh, diagnostics works, how behavior inside a, uh, the, the ECUs are scheduled. Um, that's a business that's growing quite fast for us. So last year, uh, globally, that business grew at 47%. So obviously we need to keep up with that growth. That means uh, we, we need more people to serve our growing customer base there. And then in addition, we have a major new area, which is to support the uh, exciting area of autonomous driving. So of course, autonomous driving is not completely new. Um, there's a, um, uh, a lot of stuff in the news about companies doing this in relatively small volumes or very high-end premium uh, suppliers offering things here. What we're working on here um, uh, together with, uh, uh, with Bosch and, and also um, OEM customers is the same kind of solution that we have for the control and ECUs, the embedded, um, uh, the underlying operating system to enable level two, level two plus, level three, level four autonomous driving to become a reality for the mass market. Mm -hmm. And that requires also new kinds of platform software, new kinds of basic software in the car to enable um, that development to be driven by data. Um, that means that we need to build up a team to build that new uh, operating system for autonomous driving mm -hmm. to enable it to come to mass market vehicles. And that's one of the areas that's a, a new and very significant area of growth mm -hmm. where we'll be um, hiring um, 100 plus people. And, and would you compare it to, I mean, I imagine all the automotive manufacturers must be, all the OEMs must be looking at, um, you know, must be looking at this technology uh, 
and they're all kind of trying to drive in that same direction. It's almost like a bit of a space race almost this year between the different manufacturers of kind of who can who can kind of get there first and who can develop the you know the safest and and, and, and most effective sort of platform. Is that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of competition. Um, there's a big, big push. I mean, uh, the automotive industry faces a huge um, uh, challenge in terms of financing the investment and driving things forwards because it's uh, um, at least three huge areas of investment going on in parallel. Uh, the first to connect cars uh, mm. and to take advantage of what can come from um, connecting to other vehicles, road infrastructure or the internet. Um, um, so that's one a big, big area uh, of investment. Second is, of course, to electrify their vehicle fleet, move away from combustion engine um, towards all electric um, uh, solutions. It's a big area of investment, battery technology, battery management technology to uh, uh, obviously prolong the life of the battery as much as possible, energy management technology in the vehicle to maximize the range that you can get, obviously. If with clever software and uh, electronics you can uh, get another 20, 30, 40 miles of range, that's a lot cheaper than buying a battery that little bit bigger. Um, to get that range. And then of course there's autonomous driving as well. So there's three huge areas where the automotive industry is uh, investing a lot of them in, it, in, in in its future and exactly as you said, yeah, it really is a, um, a space race of uh, who, who can cover those three bases uh, first, fastest and best. Yeah. Um, and, and our job is to provide the hidden software that enables that. Um, so uh, the, the kind of uh, underlying operating system, uh, if you like, the, the, the like Microsoft Windows is to the uh, PC, um, yeah. the equivalent uh, to support the automotive industry get that. Perfect. And um, how would you explain the, the culture here at ETAS in, in, in a few words? It's very geeky. I think uh, sometimes people use uh, geeky as a uh, uh, as a negative, but I think uh, we all wear that as a badge of pride here uh, in York. So it's a company driven by experts um, uh, who wear that geeky badge of honour. Um, um, but professionalism is another word that I would um, say um, it figures very large. So what we expect of each other and, and the culture that we have is, is one of a professional. So maybe an analogy is best here. You know, if you're a doctor, you're expected to keep up to date, to read medical journeys, uh, journals, to know the latest best practices, to know what uh, uh, the latest advice is around drugs. Well, we expect the same of our software guys. We expect them to be professionals around software. And of course, as a company, we support that, but we look for and um, 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 promote those practices of people wanting to be up to date with the skills, wanting to be uh, um, interested in the latest technologies, programming practices, programming languages, methods of working. Um, so it's an area um, or, or it's a culture uh, that's also quite challenging because a bunch of professionals normally uh, challenge each other quite a lot. So they, uh, um, you know, uh, we're full of people who are quite opinionated, think they're right, <laughs> and try to uh, um, uh, share their opinions with each other. But that makes it really a fun environment to work because you learn a lot. There's not a day then you work here where you don't learn something you didn't know before, um, which is what keeps it interesting. Mm. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, if you want to have a, um, uh, a career rather than just a job, then you have to be learning constantly because, as I just said, the automotive industry of 20 years ago is nothing mm. like the one today. And if you want to stay up to date, then I think that that geeky, professional and challenging combination is, is quite good here because uh, 
Um, it means we expect that people live up to keeping themselves up to date and wanting to keep themselves up to date and telling everyone else that they're wrong and uh, <laughs> that uh, they should follow uh, whoever it is who's talking because they're the expert and they yeah. know the right way to uh, uh, solve this problem. So uh, yeah, that leads to a, uh, to a fun environment. And could you share with us some examples of, of the scale of the work and the technology? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably the best thing here is to uh, give some numbers, and I can give you some numbers at either uh, end of the spectrum. So in, in that classical area where I'm talking about the kind of um, control ECUs that are safety critical, um, of course, if you're building airbag systems, you're making millions, maybe even tens of millions of them. So every CPU cycle you use, every byte of memory you use, costs money when you're in manufacture when you're putting these in. If you've got to buy a slightly bigger chip, even if that slightly bigger chip is just 10 cents more expensive, then when you're making 10 million of anything, uh, 10 cents is a lot of money. So on the smallest end of the uh, spectrum, um, we have a lot of focus on making the software small and efficient. Uh, so small and efficient, um, a few years ago, uh, we, we had a, um, uh, a, a kind of nice corporate gift, which was our operating system in binary on a coaster. And you could see all the, uh, the, the hex file for the operating system because it was uh, just a little bit below one kilobyte of code. Uh, but it takes a lot of effort to write only one kilobyte of code rather than maybe four or five. Um, so that's one end of the scale, which is we work a lot to make things small and efficient. Even though processors get faster and more powerful, it doesn't matter when you're making 10 millions of these things uh, actually focus on efficiency uh, is really important. Then at the other end you can see the impact of what the team here do. So over the last 20 years the operating system, the network communication software, the diagnostic software, this, this kind of software is now in more than 3 billion computers uh, in cars that have been produced over the last 20 years in every continent, in every country, from pretty much every vehicle manufacturer. So pretty much everyone has driven a car containing at least one, probably maybe even tens of computers that's running the software created by this small team in York. Um, they never heard of us. Uh, they probably never heard of the company. That's good, because if they had, we would have messed up and maybe uh, uh, there would have been some uh, um, uh, issues regarding um, uh, problems or failures in our software. The fact you never heard of us is, is a good thing that I hope uh, <laughs> Uh, keeps going, but the work that's done here has that real scale and global uh, impact because uh, um, yeah, with 3 billion uh, ECUs uh, on the planet driving around because of our software, mm. um, that, that's the kind of impact that's uh, um, really uh, exciting to have from what, what is a, a small group of people sitting here in York in the mm. UK. I thought that was good. I thought that when, uh, if it's maybe Paul or, or Simon said that in the presentation, I thought that would be a good tagline almost, wouldn't it? You know, the, the company you're, you're glad you've never heard of. <laughs> the biggest company you're, you're, you're happy you've never heard of, kind of thing. Yeah, yes. really yeah. good well, several years ago, we had a, um, uh, an event to publicise the work that was done. It was maybe, I don't know, um, a few, several years after ETAS acquired the company, we had a promotion event to the Bosch Board of Management in Germany. And actually, it was the same story here. Here's this company you own you've never heard of. But yeah. it's good news you've never <laughs> heard of them. Because if you had, it would have been because it was coming to a board meeting that there was a huge recall from Toyota or someone because yeah. our software had gone wrong. So, uh, yeah, fortunately, the, the team here is really focused on making sure what they do is right. Uh, and that they develop uh, not only small but high quality um, uh, software so that uh, we don't face those problems. 
I suppose you're you, you, you're an example yourself, right? Of, of progression opportunities and development opportunities within the business. Uh, I guess it would be good to, to kind of touch on those on those final couple of questions there, just around the investment from the business in talent and then also the opportunities to progress. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in terms of investment in talent, I mean, we're always looking for good people to join the team. We, we always need uh, people who have a passion for embedded software. Um, um, it, it's nice if people uh, have a passion also for automotive software, but actually the real core of what drives most people here is embedded software. So software that really um, drives something, that controls something. That um, 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 so that, that we're always looking uh, for people there, and we've been growing uh, quite significantly. So we invest at uh, all um, ends of the spectrum in terms of that recruitment. So we work quite closely with universities in the UK, um, especially the close by ones here in York or uh, in Leeds, uh, bringing students for their year in industry placement. So a, a lot of students will do a couple of years at university, then look for a year's work experience before wrapping up. Um, we're now up to over 20 students every year joining us to spend that year in industry to learn what you really can't learn in a university degree. It's really hard. Universities work hard on this, trying to simulate what's it like to develop software in a team and larger, more complex software, but it's really hard for universities to create that. That's primarily what the, what the students learn uh, when, when they come and work with us because we put them on real projects, in real teams, with real delivery deadlines for real customers. And uh, normally by their end of their year with us, we're uh, fretting about, do we really want to let them go back to university? But then of course, we've also been growing in terms of um, uh, hiring permanent associates to join the team and growing the team. So last year, um, we increased the, the number of people in the team by about a third. And uh, this year, if uh, we had our way, we would double um, and, and grow 100%. I, I suspect we will struggle to find uh, enough good people um, uh, to join the team um, to allow us to achieve that goal, but that's certainly our goal, so it might take us a couple of years um, to find everyone that we need. Then when people are here, I, I mentioned already, one, one of the cultural elements is professionalism, people staying up to date and we are willing and, and do invest in that. So we give people time to learn. Um, we'll uh, invest in supporting people with training uh, and development opportunities. Um, also part of, um, uh, here in the UK, together with Bosch, we set up a, a, an initiative to have a master's program so people can, uh, while working for us, maybe uh, um, uh, after a few years of experience or even at a kind of mid-career point, um, uh, spend some time then back at a university uh, getting a master's qualification to refresh their know-how. So that's the kind of areas where um, we're willing to uh, invest in keeping people up to date and, uh, uh, and the scale of the opportunity. Perfect, perfect. Um, and I guess in closing, one of the things that I thought we touched on that was really good, uh, really interesting uh, in, in the Q&A at the end of the presentation was um, you talked about um, you know that that kind of sense of of, of uh, being like a small business, obviously a part of the wider group, but then also part of a global Bosch group. And I thought that was really impactful because I think, like you say, you know, a lot of people are looking for that, and you know, maybe they, they don't want to necessarily be just a cog in a machine. So it'd be useful, yeah. Just talk us through that again, and yeah. and I guess that'd be useful. We can end up. Yeah, well, I can tell you from a very personal perspective, that's been one of the big reasons that I've been here for now almost uh, twenty years, um, um, because. 
In the team in York, you've got a team, um, it's today around 150 people, hopefully we'll be around 250 um, uh, people in a year or so, but that's still small enough where you can really see the impact of your work and um, you can see that what you do matters because uh, you can measure your contribution to the overall uh, result of the team here in York. Um, that, that's something that's hard to do in a very large company uh, to, to measure what impact you're having. But in, in a team of a couple of hundred people, it, it's very, very visible. And of course, within a team of a couple of hundred people, there's always other projects or opportunities or skills that you can move around and, and take the opportunities. But we're also part of a mid-sized growing successful company, ETAS. Um, so we're, yes, we're the York uh, um, subsidiary or offshoot of ETAS. But as ETAS, that's 1,500 people. And with 1,500 people, that gives you also more topics um, and more career opportunities. So we've had several people from the team here in um, uh, York relocate to other countries to work, either just for a couple of years or permanently. Uh, we've had some people uh, move over and then decide, no, actually, I like okay. it here. We're not coming back. Um, so that's a set of opportunities that a 200-person company uh, can't, can't really uh, offer and support. And then, of course, ETAS is uh, a fully-owned subsidiary of the Bosch Group. Uh, Bosch is 400,000 people, uh, what is it, uh, 75, 80 billion euros of turnover a year. So you've got the, all the career opportunities, um, all of the potential that a huge multinational offers mm -hmm. in terms of pretty much any country you can think of in the world that you would be interested to work in. Um, you have the chance to uh, uh, find a job with Bosch, and as part of ETAS, you, you're just considered one of the Bosch um, uh, associates, and, and you can look, look to take on those opportunities uh, wherever they are in the world. And of course, you've got then complete other industries as well. Bosch is very mm -hmm. strong in uh, uh, power tools, household appliances, uh, building uh, an energy technology, uh, those kind of areas as well. So. If you decide you want to taste outside of the automotive industry, then us being part of the Bosch group opens up all of that. So what's very nice is you can combine the working for something that smells, feels like a small startup and still has um, a lot of that culture with the security and opportunity that a mid-sized company can offer you with the potential that a huge multinational can offer. And you kind of get the benefits of uh, uh, all three of those. So in conclusion, I'd like to thank Nigel for his time and everybody at ETAS for their hospitality when we were on site at their offices in York. If you'd like to know more about opportunities within ETAS, please feel free to reach out to me over LinkedIn or you can contact me directly via email at ben.robinson at rtrs.co.uk. That's ben.robinson at rtrs.co.uk. Thank you.